Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thank you for listening to Your Working Life, my podcast series featuring thought leaders in the career and personal growth arena. Now, I know that you spend a significant portion of your life at work, so I'm on a mission to provide you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. And I am delighted to welcome my special guest to the show today, Don Levy. Don, welcome. Hi, Carolyn. Glad to be here today. Hey, I want to tell my listening audience all about you. You are an award-winning author, career strategist, and speaker, and you have more than 25 years of experience in various hiring manager positions for Fortune 500 companies. Don is the author of Strategic Career Engagement and Confessions of a Hiring Manager. And Don has also received both the 2012 International Book Award and the 2012 Global Ebook Award. So I am thrilled to be chatting with you today and so grateful to learn more about the book, Strategic Career Engagement, The Definitive Guide for Getting Hired and Promoted. So there's so many books out there on career development, and you're, you're kind of preaching to the choir, Don, because I am also <laughs> a career development person. But how is yours different from the pack? And, and I do believe it is. So tell us more. Well, Carolyn, I think uh, the big difference is that uh, my book's based on almost 30 years being in different hiring manager positions for Fortune 500 companies in the oil and gas industry, software development, microprocessor design fields. And I've reviewed well over a thousand resumes and cover letters. I've conducted hundreds of job interviews and hired countless technical engineering, marketing, and communications professionals, many of whom who have gone on to have uh, rewarding careers in themselves. And I think my book gives you the perspective of the person who's on the other side of the desk who was actually vetted candidate after candidate after candidate in a variety of different positions in different industries. I agree. And that that niche expertise is priceless and and so helpful. And the book's really extraordinary. So I I do encourage our readers to pursue this as a definitive resource. Now, the good news is that the job market is coming back, as you and I know. However, the talent wars are also here. So candidates need to be more prepared than ever. And I'd love for you to share what are the three things that you believe candidates can do right now, for example, with cover letters to improve their chances of moving forward in that dawn hiring process. Oh, absolutely. As we, as you know, uh, cover letters are notorious for being poorly thought out and, oh, and yeah. written. And uh, most of the time, they're just summaries of a candidate's resume. Yeah. But here's three things that a candidate can do uh, to improve getting snagged for an interview. Number one, get to the point immediately and avoid redundancy. You have five to seven seconds to grab that hiring manager's attention. There's no need to uh, state that you've attached a resume. Yep. A hiring manager knows if they're reading a cover letter, a resume probably follows. The, the, you need to lead off your first sentence in, it, it, uh, ideally with uh, that will follow a, a list of three to five accomplishments that you've pulled from your resume. Not duties, not responsibilities, not task completions, but those projects or results that measurably contributed to the higher strategic objectives of the organization. Now, the second thing they have to do is, throughout the cover letter, the tone must be one that focuses on the needs of the hiring manager yes. and not the needs of the candidate. Yep. In, in other words, I use a rule of thumb. 
your cover letter should have more instances of the words you, your, yours than I, me, my, mine. And that's straight out of Advertising Copywriting 101, where you sell the consumer, and in this case, it's the hiring manager, on the benefits of the product, which is your expertise. Con the consumer always asks, how will this product make my life easier going forward? And hiring managers ask the same question of candidates. And the third thing they can do is to improve their odds of, of continuing on in the hiring process. They must take control of the next contact in the closing paragraph. I wish candidates would stop using such weak closes like, I look forward to hear, hearing from you soon or something similar. What I've done, that I encourage people to say, I have added value to every project assigned to me and I can do the same for your organization. I will call you in a few days to discuss further how I am that value-add professional you are seeking in your, to help you in your organization uh, to be more successful in, in an increasingly competitive marketplace, something along those lines. And I, I have that actually in my book. And then make the call. The, the important thing is it doesn't matter if you speak to the hiring manager or an administrative assistant or voicemail. The point is your name was again brought to the attention of the hiring manager. And getting hired is a, a lot about name recognition and name familiarity. I so agree, and thank you for being so crystal clear about that. Isn't it fascinating <laughs> how so many candidates, you know, start everything with I, this is what I do, this is all about me, and this is not the case. You've got to solve their issue. You've got to be the solution provider and think through a different lens. So thank That's, you for that perspective. Oh, you're welcome. And it's it's just taking the consultant's attitude mm -hmm. in, a, in a cover letter. That's how you do it. You're a problem solver. You solve other people's problems. It's not about you. It's always and forever will be about the hiring manager's needs. Absolutely. So, Don, let me tap your expertise about resumes because goodness knows we've both seen hundreds if not thousands upon thousands of good resumes and bad resumes. And one of the things that I struggle with coaching very seasoned, experienced, talented professionals, they want 15 pages, and you and I both know they will never be read. That's exactly right. Uh, I just um, doing a resume for a, a career strategy client, and I got the resume yesterday. It was six pages long. First thing they need to do is replace the objective statement with a professional summary. Mm -hmm. Hiring managers know that an objective statement is a euphemism for I need a job with your company to sharpen my skills for my next job. That's ex <laughs> that's that's the purpose. Of, that's that's how hiring managers view the objective. Yeah, the uh, objective. Yeah. It's a precious waste. Uh, it's a waste of precious real estate. And instead, I, I encourage people to replace the objective statement with a professional summary that captures their high-level value add in five or four or five sentences or one short paragraph. And that should be the only narrative on a resume. Because nice. a resume is designed to, if a properly formatted resume is designed to help the hiring manager scan through and look for key information, not to be some long, lengthy tone that he has to read and go fishing for information. You've so got to it's hit the, him over the head with it, right? You, you have to write up front and tell them why at the 50,000 foot level about your value. Um, then, and hiring managers will scan that resume first. They'll spend most of their time scanning the upper two-thirds of page one. So candidates have to be sure the highest value information is located there according to what is important to the hiring manager and not them. The second thing, uh, while duties and responsibilities have an, uh, an important degree in assessing a candidate uh, for a position, it's achievements and accomplishments that will set the candidate above other people competing for the job. And unfortunately, most resumes are filled with duties and responsibilities. Uh -huh. But uh -huh. you know what? Everybody has duties and responsibilities. Right. 
That's the and world then, of work. That's exactly what it is, Carolyn. And the thing that I also see people making a mistake in, they confuse task completion with accomplishment. Yeah. And I've seen countless resumes that try to pass off ordinary daily duties as achievements. You know, if it's, if it's part of my duty and responsibility to clean the house and I take out the trash, that's a task completion, not an accomplishment. But, but if I clean the house in such a manner that exceeds my wife's expectations that makes her happy, well, that's an accomplishment. Beautifully the, put. Yes. <laughs> the third thing that's important is put all bullet list items in decreasing order of importance to the hiring manager. Again, mm, yeah. your resume, it's not about you and what you think is really cool or what's really important. It's about what the manager is going to value and assess as something that he or she needs for that open position. You have to constantly ask which of these items is most important to the hiring manager and go from there with your prioritization. And uh, another little bonus tip here is I tell people, don't say re references provided upon request oh, on yes. your resume yeah. because hiring managers today understand that all professionals will have references they can provide. Yeah, it's implicit. And you're using precious real estate that you could be used uh, sharing your accomplishments, right? Yeah, that's so totally true. So let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn, Don, because as you and I both know, a lot of recruiting uh, professionals, search professionals, hiring managers are sleuthing out talent on LinkedIn before they even get that resume. So what are your thoughts about LinkedIn and, and how to showcase oneself there? I think that uh, LinkedIn is a, is a great uh, uh, addition to help promote your expertise and your value. In fact, in, in every resume, in the contact block information, you should have your best available phone number, your best available email, right, and, a, right. and a LinkedIn URL if you have a professional page. Um, gone are the days where you had to list your postal address or your physical mailing address uh, mm -hmm. be days before the Internet. And if you have your physical address that kind of dates you, uh, mm -hmm. that you haven't maybe updated your resume. But LinkedIn is a, is a great tool that, uh, that I and other hiring managers have, have used in the past to see – are you the same person online and in, uh, I don't want to call LinkedIn social media, I like to call it networking media. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you the same person here that I see on your resume? Right. You've got to have that consistency. So do you encourage your clients to copy and paste that LinkedIn URL profile and pop it onto the hard copy resume or the digital resume? Not necessarily because uh, I, I don't want to show, I don't want Candace to show up at an interview with a mountain of paperwork. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you only want to give the hiring manager what they ask for. And especially this is true if you're going to a job fair out of town and people show up with reams of paperwork they've yeah. printed out. Yeah. And then that's the last thing somebody wants to do is carry a, a, a carton full of uh, paperwork on an airplane with them. Very so true. Very true. Um, I always tell you, streamline it, just give them what they ask for. So, Don, let's talk about the, the dreaded interview for some. What a great opportunity to really showcase your accomplishments and why you're a great fit for the potential opportunity. But I know this is so stressful for so many candidates. So help help our stressed-out candidates navigate through that job interview. <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Um, the great thing about uh, job interviews is anybody can, can do a good job with it as long as you're prepared. Getting through the job interview, it's preparation is the key. Yeah. Be sure you know your resume inside and out, backwards and forwards, and come prepared with questions of your own, such as, what would be your top priority project that I would be working on? And I like this question because there's a slight assumption or attitude that I already have the job yeah, in the way that I yeah. ask it. Ask about challenges and issues the hiring manager or team is facing, and inevitably, the question comes up from the hiring manager, so tell me about yourself. 
And time and time again, I have seen people blow this golden opportunity because the absolute worst response is, what do you want to know? Oh, yes. Now, that will pretty much end your chances of continuing on in the hiring <laughs> right process. Yep. Because most people respond with what they do as a vocation. Right. And that's the wrong answer. Right. The best response I received once was from a programmer who told me, I asked him the same question. So tell me about yourself. And he said, I'm a kid's soccer team coach who plays the cello. I'm involved with the PTA and take pride in assuming a sense of urgency and ownership for every project I undertake. And I always have an eye on the bottom line. I learned so much about yeah. this candidate in, in one sentence. Seconds. Yep. Yep. And I hired him on the spot. Love it. Love it. What a great example. What a great example. But I love how you're giving everybody permission. Practice. Do not wing it. This is you such have, an important part of the uh, process. It's, a, it's totally right. And while you can get help from a career strategist and a career coach, only you – the candidate know the blood, the sweat, the tears, the endless meetings, the long hours that went into every bullet item on your resume. You are the expert of your resume. So you shouldn't really shy away from uh, being nervous about an interview. If you're fully prepared, you're there to sell yourself, but also find out if you're a fit for that organization. So well put. Okay, so in your book, you talk very specifically about how no one really has the official title as a hiring manager, which is so true. You know, people have those responsibilities in addition to other things that they do, unless they're working for a search firm, that, which is slightly different. So help us sure. understand what a hiring manager does. Uh, well, in, in my case, over my years, a hiring manager is simply a manager of persons or projects who may from time to time have a need to add to the headcount for the team or the department. And, and managers with hiring authority really are under more pressure to do a better job finding qualified candidates for open positions today because the cost of hiring the wrong employee can be as high as five times that the employee's salary. Yes. So the hiring manager really is a person with a need, and the candidate is the other party that can fulfill that need. And when what successfully connects these two people is value. If the person with the need, me, the hiring manager, believes that a candidate can offer real value, well, they have fulfilled that need, and we can kind of come to an agreement here that possibly this is the candidate I need to bring in. So the hiring manager is pretty much a manager of people or projects, but occasionally they'll have to screen resumes, do phone screens, bring people in for interviews, uh, and, and then work with HR to, to uh, to fashion uh, an offer, a competitive offer to bring that person on board. Got it. Got it. Now, you and I both know, and you've certainly been in this role, that quite often we as a hiring manager have our own presuppositions and prejudices and, you know, ideas about what we want for the candidate. How does that impact the entire hiring process? I think it's just human nature. It's, it is human nature. And um, there's, there's a thing that hiring managers struggle with that's a called positive prejudice. It's, it's not a, as illegal as it sounds, and it's more of a psychological effect whereby the qualifications of candidates might be compared to the person who last held that vacant position rather than evaluating the candidate qualifications on their own merits. Okay. So you're, at, you're kind of at a disadvantage because the candidate is picturing your qualifications, not for the, the requirements of the position, but for the skills and expertise of the previous person who had the position. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. The, 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 that stereotypical image of the ideal candidate can sometimes be something difficult to overcome. And the interesting thing here in the whole hiring process, uh, Caroline, is that even though certain objective 
measures and criteria do an excellent job in assessing a candidate's potential for future success. Um, for the most part, hiring managers continue to rely on intuition, personal chemistry with the candidate, and gut instinct when they make a hiring decision. Mm -hmm. And this is where it really represents a golden opportunity for candidates because so many times it's the candidate who addresses the needs and issues of the hiring manager who gets the job offer and it's not necessarily the most technically qualified individual who actually gets the job offer. Well, you know, this is a perfect segue because you talk about the importance of the likability factor and I love this term, the valuosity quotient. So unpack those for me. Oh, there's so much to say about the importance of, of a likability factor. I devoted an entire chapter to it in uh, Strategic Career Engagement. Um, there's a term called likeonomics, and it's a term that explains this new affinity economy where the most likable people and ideas and organizations are the ones we believe in, we buy from, and we get inspired by. And this connection happens in all manners of social, political, uh, commerce and business relationships and it's equally important in the hiring process. So the likability factor is uh, it's, it's, it's also known as the impression management which implies yeah, a, yeah. It's, a, it's a conscious effort really to convey a particular impression and uh, because you have an expectation of certain rewards on the outcome of, of this uh, engagement which might be a job interview. Uh, you can actually use the language of impression management in cover letters, resumes, and interviews to help win the favor of hiring managers. It's the core of emphasizing the future benefits of your expertise. You know, I think it's so important, too, for our listeners to remember that when you join a new team, a new organization, a new company, there's an ex existing culture. And quite often, employees and, and managers and bosses are fiercely protective of that culture that they've created and developed and fostered. And, you know, bringing a new individual into the fold can make or break the dynamic of the existing team. Absolutely. And I tell people the best advice I can give them when they're new on the job is be quiet for 30 yeah, days. Exactly. Just exactly. Learn with your eyes and your ears, and the last thing people need is to, is to, to hear is the new guy who's the, uh, the know-it-all. Oh, this is the way we did it at my last company. Yeah, It's dangerous. like, you know, that, that whole cubicle credibility uh, factor, <laughs> I like to call it, that's, that comes along slowly. You do that through initially informal. Nobody knows the, your resume like the hiring manager who hired you. So yeah. you, you can't go and broadcast that to your new team members. You slowly get assimilated by being, like, by being likable and, you know, by demonstrating the value that you can bring to your work. So keep your mouth shut for 30 days, but l learn with your eyes and your ears. Yeah, and earn that opportunity to be welcomed into the fold. Absolutely. So, Don, I love this. In your books, you refer to a strategy called the Trojan Horse Technique. So tell me more. <laughs> well, it's based on a strategy I developed from my own career, and then I've been teaching others for several decades on this. It's essentially an approach that candidates can use after job interviews are over to continue promoting their brand and build on what I call the associative models that are formed in the minds of hiring managers. As a candidate goes through the hiring process, you, your cover letter, your resume, and how you interview sets up an association in the mind of the hiring manager with your name, your qualifications, your expertise, and your accomplishments. So uh, as you work through these associative models, the further you go on into the uh, interview process, the hiring process, the stronger that connection is made with the in the mind of the hiring manager. Now, there's no rules that say a candidate must stop promoting 
his or her expertise after interviews have ended. And I show candidates how to use a simple one-page case, hist uh, uh, case history write-up, yeah. uh, perhaps a copy of a peer-reviewed journal article they've had published. Very nice. And then I also have, that, which is available on my website, it's a brochure called 25 Ways I Add Value to Your Organization. And I tell people, if you're a professional with at least seven years' experience and you have no peer-reviewed journal articles published or presentations or papers presented at, at conferences, you are damaging your brand and your career. Now, the interesting thing about the Trojan horse uh, element is that if I have a case history that I've written up maybe a, a week after I have a job interview, I will send a paper copy to the hiring manager through the regular mail, but I'll put a post-it note on it and they'll say, Dear Hiring Manager, thanks for sharing the opportunity. Here's a, a case history that uh, sounds like some of the problems you're facing signed my name. And I send that in the mail to the hiring manager. Now the important thing is, I don't care if the hiring manager reads that case history. I want him to see who sent it to him because the post-it note continues to promote my brand uh, and and build that associative model in the mind of the hiring manager after interviews have ended. Love it. Don, you have this incredible breadth of depth in your 25 years as various um, hiring manager positions and now as a coach and a consultant and a speaker and a, and a best-selling author. So have you observed behaviors or maybe attitudes in people that you have managed that have contributed to their success? Any Any dots to connect there? Yeah, I, uh, Carolyn, I think I've uh, over the years I've started to compile a list of, and when I went when I wrote Confessions of a Hiring Manager, I started compiling this list of what are some of the common factors I've seen in people that I've hired and managed and they've gone on to have successful careers. One of them was a sense of project ownership. And this is prized by hiring managers because it conveys that it, that this individual brings to the table a a certain quality mindset, a uh, get it done right the first time approach to whatever project's being undertaken. They show a concern for budgets, for schedules, for meeting customer requirements. And people who display this sense of project ownership, they're not clock watchers. They often may call it a day at some logical stopping point in their task, not you know when the clock says five o'clock. Yeah. You know, uh, they, 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 uh, they add value in that sense of ownership. And another one is the sense of project urgency in that this a uh, candidate or individual's approach to project work is immediate, it's purposeful, and it's resolute. These people are decisive about which solution to, uh, to a problem to embrace, and especially after they carefully evaluate the problem. Uh, they'll look at the potential causes and they'll assess all possible resolutions and how those fixes should be implemented. They rarely keep other people guessing or waiting for uh, how to proceed next. Good the third, stuff. The Take next one is going. okay. Sorry, the next one was uh, personal integrity. Uh, it's a quality that, when it's tarnished, it's hard to return to its original yeah. luster. Yep. And it's, sometimes it can be lost altogether and difficult to recover. And a person's integrity, to me, it's wrapped up in their truthfulness about all manners, their honesty in dealing with people and projects, and their reliability to honor their word. It's not a badge that people wear on the outside, but it's a reflection of a deeper nature of their character, their moral and ethical fiber. Um, the next one I, I, I've noticed is a, a, a de, it's a desire to help others succeed. A long time ago, I heard Zig Ziglar say that uh, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll eventually get what you want. And, so true. And so that's, true. I know. It's, it's funny how it just kind of works that way. And this philosophy works best when it's a conscious, heartfelt decision to help others and not 
and, and, and a manipulative uh, operation. You know, I, I think it's that authentic. Uh, yeah. it's yeah, it is. And it's an embracing a, it's embracing that servant attitude that is so often lacking in the business world today. And I think the last one. Uh, oh, there's also one in the call. I, I like to think of an attitude of being self-employed. Truly successful individuals always understand that no matter where that paycheck comes from, they really do work for themselves. Contractors and consultants know that being self-employed, what it's all about. But sometimes people in hourly or salaried positions lose sight of the fact that they are self-employed as well because no one keeps anyone on the payroll out of the goodness of their hearts. And lastly, I've always noted that people who have gone on to successful careers when they've exited one company to work for another, they've always exited gracefully. And we know that people now probably go through an average of seven different careers or, or job changes in their careers. So uh, in many industries, especially the high-tech field, uh, people often end up working together again at different companies or end up managing former peers. It's true. It's that, that alumni concept of going back to a company that you exited from is becoming more and more common. It's, that's, it's, and it's so true. And I've worked in microprocessor processor design fields and software uh, engineering fields. But it's, it's interesting that it's a smart career move to always exit gracefully uh, and not to burn bridges when you leave one company for another. Uh, your reputation will continue to linger in the hallways and cubicle neighborhood for some time after you leave. So you have to ask yourself, how would the odor of burning bridges enhance your character in the minds of those you work with? <laughs> It just Very won't. Well put. Very well put. Don Levy, what a joy to have you on. You are a rock star, such an expert <laughs> in this field. I love your book, Strategic Career Engagement, The Definitive Guide for Getting Hired and Promoted. Tell us how we can buy the book and follow you online. You've got such great content out there. Oh, thanks, Carolyn, very much. The book is available on uh, Amazon.com. The ebook's available through Smashwords. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at, at Don Levy, D-O-N-N-L-E-V-I-E. My website, uh, DonLevyJuniorStrategies.com, has a lot of downloadable uh, f- uh, articles and white papers. And uh, uh, there's also that 25 Ways I Add Value to Your Organization brochure that's available for download in a PDF. And next year, I'll be having uh, podcasts, videos, and online workbooks that uh, people will be able to uh, access uh, for one low subscription price. Well done. Well, you are a wealth of information, and I want to remind our listeners, too, you're also available as a keynoter and a trainer in addition to your coaching and, and prolific writing resources. So thank you for all you do. I'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to have you on the show today. Oh, Carolyn, thanks so much. It was my pleasure. My pleasure. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to Your Working Life, where my goal is to help you design your career destiny so it doesn't happen by default. True career and life satisfaction is possible, and it's time to embrace what you love doing so you can do more of it. And I'm delighted to tell you that Your Working Life is now available on iTunes, YouTube, Podbean, and Stitcher. Leave me a comment because I always appreciate your feedback. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Take good care. 